Welcome to the TV podcast on the Incomparable Network. My name is Chip Sutterth, and with me is the co-host of the Incomparable Network's cartoon cast, Christina Warren. Hi, Christina. Hi, Chip. What in the world are we hearing in the background? What are we talking about on TV today? Voltron! Voltron? Voltron! Voltron! I'm excited about this, and so are our other panelists. Uh, hello, Shannon Sutterth. Hello. And hello, Moises Chuyan. Hello. Every boy remembers the first time he formed Blazing Sword. <laughs> I had to get that one in early. I had to get that one in early. I'm sorry. Context. And we are here to talk about uh, a show that dropped on Netflix all at once about a month ago, Voltron Legendary Defender, which is brought to us through the good graces of the creative team behind uh, Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra, if I am not mistaken. Yes, I believe so. So why are we talking about this cartoon, of all things? Well, there's a certain amount of nostalgia for those of us of a certain age. Uh, who wants to? Who wants to sort of recap what a Voltron is and why somebody would talk about a Voltron and why somebody would actually remake a Voltron? <laughs> well, we're talking about it because it's good. <laughs> well, the the original Voltron series, it was it, it was uh, an American production company taking a Japanese uh, anime series, uh, re-editing it, uh, completely revoicing it, putting the same looping theme music on what seems like almost the entire show. Uh, mm -hmm. Like there's there's the, the constant, you know, uh, you know, fancy, fancy for the time synthesized uh, theme music on it and sort of cobbling together a narrative. <laughs> that is the music that I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, the and uh, stirring stuff there, man. My my experience my experience at the original show wasn't seeing it air, but was watching it on VHS tape. Uh, from the rental section at the local grocery store. <laughs> and during my childhood, my access to Voltron was, I think, maybe five episodes worth of stuff, and it was all completely out of order. Uh, there, was a, there was a major character death that doesn't happen immediately in the series that, to me, was the second thing that I saw from Voltron. Um, so the, the original experience that a lot of people had with Voltron would be maybe they saw it aired, Maybe they saw it on tape. We didn't have the luxury uh, back in them old days <laughs> of uh, fancy DVD sets that just made everything available all at once. Or, you know, lo and behold, the, the modern streaming channel that just dumps everything all at once. Um, and it was it was at a time when that sort of highly kinetic, uh, detailed, fancy animation was new and fresh and vibrant to us uh, us American types. And I think a lot of people's memories of Voltron, in, in much in the way that they've been marketing this new series, the memories of that Voltron series were of something that was way, way, way better than what that series actually was, um, yeah. which was a, a bit disjointed, a bit um, difficult to follow in places, uh, you know, more difficult to follow than, for example, the the um, the uh, westernization of Sailor Moon, where they took two lesbians and made them into very close cousins. Um, <laughs> there, there were more bizarre logic leaps that you had to kind of get around as as a viewer. But you knew that at the end of the day, you had these five warriors who got into cat shaped robots 
that uh, formed into one big, not exactly cat-shaped robot with cat mouths for hands and feet. Um, and uh, and went off to destroy monsters and defeat an evil emperor and uh, and his his nasty evil witch um, with warts on her face and <laughs> you know the the good guys have to triumph over evil and uh, and this that and the other. Growing up, uh, when my sister and I would visit my grandparents, um, one of their television stations in Western North Carolina would always play. Um, reruns of these Japanese cartoons like Battle of the Planets and G-Force and so forth, which I ate up with a spoon um, when I was younger. And then when I was a little bit older, Voltron happened, from started airing uh, when I was in high school um, and right after I graduated. And I remember flipping channels one day and pausing because, hey, that looks like I remember Battle of the Planets. Oh, this is different. And then I started watching and being highly amused by it and interested in uh, the teamwork concept that it took these five different guys, you know, each of them a having his own strengths, um, but they had to get together every time uh, in order to defeat the bad guy. And uh, it hooked me. It hooked me enough to buy my little Lion Voltron set that does not have the horns that go up, according to my husband. Um, but... Um, but I always had a soft spot for it. So when they said, when I finally learned that they were actually doing a new Voltron, I was not paying attention and didn't realize this was happening until this year. Um, I was eager to see what happened. And um, I think they did brilliantly. Uh, the tagline that you kept hearing uh, in the months uh, running up to it was uh, they wanted to make Voltron as good as you remember it. I think they did it. Yeah, I think they did too. I was actually really pleasantly surprised. Um, kind of knowing the, the, the background a little bit about the people responsible for the show, I had high hopes. I thought, well, maybe they'll do right by this. But, you know, you're always at least, I don't know about you guys, I'm always weary anytime anybody takes anything that we have nostalgia associated with and they try to reboot it um, because it can so often turn out poorly. But I, I felt like they did a good job. What about you guys? I, I, I agree. And I also appreciate that they aimed it at not just us old 40-somethings who remembered the old show and watched it live and and wanted to it to grow up with us cuz this is not this is not a grim and gritty remake of the Power Rangers. Joining us in mid conversation is uh the fifth member of our Voltron force, uh Philip Mosalak. Mose, welcome to the podcast. I was in prison and they did something to my arm, so I don't know what's happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Super excited about this series and the nostalgia around it. Well, uh, we've been nostalgizing before you joined us most, but uh, I would like us to move bravely into the future and actually talk about the show as it exists. And uh, let's save some spoilers. There are a couple of spoiler topics that I'd like to save for the end. We might even borrow the spoiler horn or something for that purpose. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um, or maybe just just sh- sh- uh, shot uh, uh, shoot off the uh, the fanfare from the original series uh, m- intro music. Maybe we <laughs> or a I, lion's I have, roar. I have plans. I have plans. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so all of the episodes dropped uh, last month on Netflix all at once, and the marketing and the clips that were on uh, YouTube ahead of time were just tantalizing. But just the the broad opening question. What did you all think of Voltron Legendary Defender? I was really impressed. I was I was kind of I was hesitant going into it, but I I really liked it. I thought the animation style first of all was really good, but I thought that the story was good too. I really enjoyed the series. 
same here. Um, I found it, um, as I said, as good as you remember, they did more interesting things with the characters, um, our five paladins. You know, in the in the in the original show, yes, there was some personality to them, but still it was just kind of like five guys, five pilots Um, here. You have definitive personalities allowed to shine forth. You have conflict. You have some great dialogue. Um, Some of the quips and some of the banter that gets traded back and forth is wonderful. I especially love how um, Allura has been allowed to come into her own in uh, a way that was very different from the original show that right away yeah. she's she is a leader um she is working to um immediately gets back into the fight against the Galra empire and uh she is allowed to be strong and forceful right out of the box um instead of just this pretty little princess that um just happens is, to be a leg right yeah. Yeah, no, I, no, I like that she's too. She's no wilting flower. She's she's competent. She doesn't have to be uh, explained away as just you know a, a means to an end. That she has mm-hmm. to be there to be there. There's an actual personality to her, and there's there's just as much uh, heroic thrust coming from her as any of the other uh, main characters, exactly. uh, including Corn. Uh, yeah, possibly my favorite thing in the whole show. <laughs> it, it was it was fun for me because my girls. Um, I, I like to have shows where I can watch it with my girls. Mm-hmm. And this one was a property that I used to watch coming home after school every day. And then to have them actually interested in something that daddy likes, but is new for them and new for me. And it wasn't the same tired plot line where we just see assembly after assembly uh, yes. and kill the big, the big bad. It, there was more to it. Yeah. yeah, the balance of of the the robot Voltron not being the answer to every problem was brilliant. I love that advance in in the storytelling structure. Well, yeah, and the old series, every episode pretty much ended with a robeast battle, just like your average of uh, Ultraman or Power Rangers a Sentai uh, episode or anything like that. And Voltron, I think Voltron just appears in about half of the episodes, actually. And yeah, in some right. of the in some of the episodes, even the lions aren't terribly involved because the characters are interesting enough, and the weaponry and the gadgets and the fights and things like that that they have as individual characters are just as compelling, um, if if not more so. Yeah, no, I agree with that. One of the things that that I liked uh, that kind of touches on uh, something mentioned earlier about how uh, a, some of the major parts of the Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra production teams are behind this from producers and writers to voice director Andrea Romano is that they do they do well what especially that show did taking some anime stylistic tropes the kind of um, you know silly googly eye uh, slapsticky kind of stuff and they employ it well uh, and Mm -hmm. and it, it it allows there to be some levity and not just everything is is dark and oppressive and gritty. And one of the things that, that made the original show, the bits of it that I saw a little bit weird and dark was just, I, I was as, as a, as a young kid, I was not, I was not quite ready for the kind of like he- heavy metal darkness of uh, parts of the original show for, for a particularly, you know, young mind at the time. And so I like that in updating the show, they, they made it something that, that was um, because it could be its own thing. 
it 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 could have those stakes. It could have those uh, moments of peril, but it doesn't have to be uh, it doesn't have to be like the cover to a meatloaf album. Uh, at, at times, <laughs> like the show did, where everything has bat wings and dripping viscera. And all stuff. <laughs> I think what you're talking about is this show actually had some fun to it, which is yeah. mm-hmm. why we liked it in the beginning. Yeah, the the original show had some fun to it, but it wasn't all that it wasn't all that polished because it was a small company uh, localizing uh, another show, and the original well, two shows, the original two shows, yeah, and. I I haven't watched much of the original Beast King Go Lion on uh, on YouTube or anything like that, but I am told and have read in some of the interviews that the original show had a lot of really really creepy stuff edited out for America. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, in in the classic Japanese animation sense, you know, their norms are not American uh, syndicated afternoon TV norms. Voltron of the eighties had this um had this this dark stuff, but not too dark. There was one clip that I was watching today where they just managed to barely edit aside the fact that a row beast actually ate a a, a villager from Eris. Just pop 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 them in his mouth. They sort somehow managed to keep that out. So in in contrast, this uh, this series, there's more humor and there's more peril. At the same time, they, they, they've, there's a really great uh, dramatic range to this thing. And it's still safe for kids. Yeah, I, I was going to ask, like, I'm not a parent, so I don't have that sort of perspective. But what was kind of your take? I mean, again, I think we were saying this earlier. I mean, I think that the fear with, with rebooting these shows is that on the one hand, people want to go one of two ways. They want to make it either too dumbed down, which then, you know, um, makes any of the original fans angry because you're, you're you're watering down what we came for. Or it tries to, to, to grow too much with the audience and then like you can't bring new people into it. What have what what do you think or what have been like your kids responses to the show? Like what? do they think of this is this something that still appeals to them and is this something that could that could still build new vol- that could you know gain new voltron fans i think in our case if our son was just a little bit younger he would probably be very into Voltron. He is like 14. He's like right at that age where he wants to find his own entertainment. And the fact that mom and dad were eager for this was not a selling point. So um but I think I would have had no trouble a few years ago if this had come out then uh, sharing this with our son because it hits so many points that entertain younger kids and, you know, has, as Chip said, the, the drama, the storytelling, uh, some of the dialogue um, also appeals to adults. I think there was something a minute ago, Chip said that the old show could be fun. I would say the old show was often silly. Having gone back and yeah, looked at yeah, some of the yeah. things, I mean the, the the whole the whole Allura having her nanny show up, just <laughs> you know at at the time I don't remember being anything other than irritated that why yeah. is she keeping Allura from having all the fun? Rewatching <laughs> it, I'm just like, damn. <laughs> I'm so glad that they replaced that character with uh, with a hilarious comedian from New Zealand, just kind of yes. going off the rails. Yes. Um, oh yeah. Um, and that, one, that, that one, one of, what's that's Riss Darby, right? 
Reese yeah. Darby. Yes. Yeah. Reese Darby. Reezy Darby on the Twitter. He he shows up on on at midnight. Uh, Chris Hardwick's game show every once in a while, and he's a he's a delight. Um, but one of my one of my I I recently interviewed uh, Kimberly Brooks and Neil Kaplan, who play Princess Alora and Emperor Zarkon, and huh. um, and I asked both of them about about you know working with Reese Darby. Uh, you know because th- they don't always do group records on these things, but uh, Andrea Romano likes to do that when she can, and luckily all of them are L.A. based, and so. Um, they said, you know, there's stuff that there's stuff that we will never see or hear, uh, hmm. but that he just left everybody in stitches. Uh, the, I mean, he was always on. He was always like, I mean, the, the, there, there are probably little tiny ad libs that they could actually use. Um, but, you know, they're, they're so precise with recording these things. A lot of it is just uh, the, the energy that's generated by the stuff that we don't end up getting to hear. And that he was he was like he was the crown. Uh, prince of of jesters uh, when it came to just keeping everybody's everybody's energy up and everybody you know fun and alive uh, and it was the first time that a lot of them had had interacted with him worked with him um, but I, I I love that we get so much of his energy that you see in his stand up in his appearances on on comedy shows and that kind of thing in animated form um, it's 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 one of the things I I love most about them embracing the uh, the silliness and the slapstickiness at times um, the good kind of silly not the mm-hmm. not the not the kind of here's a here's a plot device to specifically impede a female character from having agency right yeah, yeah. and i loved the character i loved his character my, my girls who were 10 like so you know they're a little bit younger than than the southers but the thing that kept them going was especially because we started marathoning because the 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 cliffhangers that was mm-hmm. what they kind of like really were drawn to like oh what's going to happen next you know, we didn't get to see Voltron here. What's going to happen? And it wasn't always a Voltron thing. Then for me, it answered the question of what happens when uh, one of the pilots falls as they are mounting their or getting ready to get into one of the lions. Like what happens? <laughs> I mean, you've got to, I mean, it's it's a whole uh, problem. You've got to run and catch up to the next thing. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's and that's one thing that that's in this show's DNA. You know, some of the goofiness is still there. Why do you have to take a zip line and a shuttle <laughs> and a thing like that to run into to, to get into your giant robot lion to fly it around? Because Chip, it's a show about giant robot lions that work together and form a giant <laughs> exactly. robot with a sword and a shield. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> At a certain point, if you start asking too many of those questions, you start like 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 questioning the entire precipice of the show and at that point like no but yeah i agree i i I like though that that there is still some of that silliness but it doesn't feel as silly um there's more to it so i'm but but i'm glad to hear that that the kids um are are into it and and that your that your girls wanted to keep watching um that's reassuring yeah i'd like to uh play a clip uh in the original series Coran, who is now being played by Reese Darby, did I pronounce it right this time? Um, Perfect. Uh, he and I answered you with an Irish accent, not a New Zealand <laughs> accent. So I don't know. I don't know where I am on the map right now. <laughs> well, in the original series, uh, I think the phrase "po-faced" would apply. Uh, he was a very serious, ve- very serious, older, you know, uh, patriarchal figure. Um, this is the Koran of today. again. I'm the one who took down the guard. I should get to be the head. Shh, legs don't talk. Ah, oh, hello, gentlemen. Shift's over. Boss needs you back at the guard shack. Verify identification code. 
Right, I didn't want to have to do this, but I'm gonna have to pull rank. You guys are in big trouble, right? So hand he is such a convincing robot. And ID <laughs> Verify identification code or be destroyed. Okay, okay, I've got it right here! <laughs> what are you doing? We gotta hurry! I'm not just gonna pry this out of here like some Gaulra monster. The Balmera is a sacred being. You have to communicate with it. Let your life forces connect. This is the way it was done in our time. Whoa, you really know your Balmeras. <laughs> I think I'm broken. <laughs> that line, I think I'm broken, kills me every single time. Yeah, yeah it's just so well done. Well, the character is so good. That was such a nice surprise because it was such a switch from the original series. Mm-hmm. And it just it, it brought, I thought, so much humor and, and, and just, just joy in, into the show. Um, it really brought kind of a spark that, that I wasn't expecting. And I have to say, I think it's my favorite character in the, in, in the new show. Yeah, until they until they announced the production team uh, as as part of the you know press release, when the only bit of the news that I knew was that they were rebooting it, they were changing things, blah 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 blah. I was immediately concerned because something that as you know I, I've said this on the record, so maybe it's a surprise to some of you, but it, it's not a surprise to the the universe at large. I'm a huge fan of Sailor Moon, <laughs> and originally before Deke Entertainment uh, acquired the rights to localize it uh, for an American and Canadian audience. Another company had the rights for about 12 seconds and did a promotional reel. I'll send you a link for the show notes. There's a, there's a, like a pitch reel that is available that is the only thing anybody's ever seen. And it was very much taking what I think now we would consider the Power Rangers approach of making, uh, making Sailor Moon, the, the animated portion of it, completely reanimating it, do it, doing a totally different story where they're on like, they're like uh, on, on, uh, on windsurfing foils in space. And <laughs> one of them is in a wheelchair and their, their earthbound adventures happen in live action. And then they transform into Sailor Scouts and then they become animated characters and I was really, I was just, I was, I was terrified that it was going to, with a bunch of changes, be one of those kinds of things where even with Voltron itself, they tried doing the third dimension thing that didn't work. Um, and I was, I was really concerned. And I, I love that the people, the people that are behind it have visibly taken cues from what people loved about it and doubled down on the things uh, that could have used better story engagement, better production engagement than the kind of uh, factory farm feel that that you get out of a lot of Japanese anime of the time where they're just cranking stuff out, cranking stuff out and cranking stuff out. And, you know, 60 episode series after 60 episode series just to throw on a Japanese TV where they have the bones and archetypes of a quote unquote hero team story. Here we're actually getting development of these characters as more than window dressing or just the simple bare archetypes. And Corrin really uh, is, is the, the, uh, to me, the biggest beneficiary of that, uh, that series of changes. And it, it even extends to the bad guys too. You know, I mm-hmm. feel like, like Hagger is, is more of a character, even though we, even through the whole first season, haven't seen that much of her. 
we've gotten more out of her in these 11 episodes than I felt like I got out of the character from everything that I saw of the original series and friends of mine who did watch every single episode, which I can't vow to have seen, um, more more than they feel they got out of the character. She was just a sinister, weird witch in a shawl who was there to make weird, you know, uh, movements of their hands and, and create new row beasts, and that was about it. Well, to be fair, Cree Summer is a force multiplier. Yeah. <laughs> Massively so. Let's talk a little bit about some more of the characters, and uh, let's throw in a piece that uh, Mose wanted to uh, uh, <laughs> wanted to throw in. So what's the plan? We go in there and just pow, 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 and free the prisoners? What was that noise? Laser guns. No, Lance, I think you mean pow, pow, pow. <laughs> pow. That sounds like fireworks. Technically, they're more like ba-choo, ba-choo, ba-choo. Okay, enough with the bad sound effects. Besides, <laughs> it's more like blam, blam, blam. What? You're crazy. No way. That wrong. <laughs> Paladins, focus. <laughs> One of my favorite moments in here. Every once in a while, our our our, our putative lead character, Shiro, who's the grown-up and always has to be the grown-up, every once in a while, he drops the mask. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I love about these characters. They 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 do. They they breathe off of the script page, I think. Yeah, but I love it. What I love about dialogue. How old is he? He's supposed to be like I'm guessing 20ish if the others are like older yeah. teenagers um in in the school in the Galaxy Garrison as cadets. But he's um, but, seen things, man. He's yeah, seen, he's yeah. seen <laughs> things, man. Exactly. Totally. He's he's had that that kind of hybrid John Carter of Mars planet hulk experience of being a gladiator and being hardened and mm-hmm. man he's been changed and now and now he can be a king <laughs> but what i love about interchanges like that um the fact that at at this point in the story it doesn't lose sight of the fact that these are five f- five young you know Five young people thrown in um, into this situation all of a sudden. They are trying to learn. They're scrambling to figure out uh, how to pilot these lions, what all of the tricks of these lions are. They're having to deal with fighting this evil empire. And yet they can still go off on tangents and be the kinds of goofy teenagers that I, that I teach. And, and I love that. I agree. Like, you know, that the whole idea of them even learning how to use the lions was <laughs> kind of amazing to me. I was like, wow, you're really kind of trying to create story here. And I, and again, that's one of the things we've touched on, but like that it's not just, I just shift gears, boom, I got, a, I got, you know, Voltron immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is really impressive. And I, I do think the fact that, that they are, I think this kind of goes back to the fact that the, that the team behind this show, you know, had success before because, and again, I mean, I keep saying this, but it's like, I, I, I kept being pleasantly surprised um, while watching by how much more depth there was that I was expecting. It was still fun. The characters were still engaging. I enjoyed the show, but there was more to it than I thought there, there, there might've been. And, and that was great. I love that the, the the substantiveness of the plan for how to effectively go to market with this thing is that they did a 70-minute movie, which is what I saw. I, I, I saw that about a week and a half before the whole rest of the season was available on Netflix, and I was begging them, to just give me a couple more episodes, please, please, please. <laughs> and I don't usually find myself really caring that much, but I was I was so surprised by the amount of, of character depth and 
um, and and work that they were able to to put into it at that point, and and how little filler there was, which is something mm-hmm. that especially in anime is incredibly uh, incredibly prevalent. Uh, American animation has learned that as one of the many lesson bad lessons that it, that it's learned from anime in terms of production padding. And as we go through this super serialized um, uh, debut movie plus ten episodes that is super serialized, super, super serialized. There is so little of that there. There is, yeah, the form Voltron animation sequence that gets reused, which I was, I was terrified that that was going to show up as often as, uh, even watching the new version of sailor moon that they've put out these transformation sequences where they turn into superheroes. That was, that was, that was what I was, I was worried might linger from the original show of let's fill some time out of these 22 or so minutes per episode by um, by having the robot come together in the exact same way that everybody's seen it happen five times before. Mm-hmm. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, are, are there at least a couple of these episodes where they don't actually form Voltron? That's right, correct. I was going to say. More than a couple, yeah. Yeah. It, it's I, I, I have trouble uh, remembering just because it feels like a dream that, <laughs> that it's yeah. actually that good. I, I swear, I think we only see Voltron the robot um, like four times, maybe five. Yep. Something out like of that. out of yeah. technically thirteen episodes, if you count them all as half hour, twenty two minute episodes, and he doesn't even form the classic blazing sword in the first appearance. He just uh, That's basically what, the destro- third. Yeah. yeah, he just destroys the ship basically. Well, and and maybe maybe the sword that we have seen isn't necessarily the only sword because just right toward the end of the first season, we were seeing new abilities in individual mm-hmm. lions and new individual paladin abilities and that kind of thing. And I I like that they have not pulled the curtain all the way back. Yeah. Uh, on so many things as as frustrating as the end of the first season is and I won't spoil it now because we haven't hit that uh, that that point of of you know hearing the robeast roar or the spoiler horn blare or whatever. Um as as much as that was frustrating to me, I like that I feel like I got a full uh, a full unit of story out of this first season. And they didn't have to show me every single thing that they have, you know, hidden in their coat, as it were. Yeah, exactly. You know, I really want to dive deep on the characters. But if we're going to do that, we may as well hit that spoiler moment. What what do you all think? Yeah, let's let's hit it. Let's hit it. Yeah. All right, uh, everybody, here goes the spoiler horn. Love it. I mean, what else are you going to do, really? Yeah, <laughs> are you paying Metro Goldwyn Mayor a licensing fee for that? <laughs> Shh. Let's not Seven get Jason seconds, in trouble right? now. That was a row beast. <clears throat> sort of. Yeah, sort of. Um, so um, the characters are really fascinating here. And uh, one of the adjustments that I had to make as uh, somebody who has an obsessive memory for detail about the old shows that I watch is that I always thought it was kind of weirdly cool that the uniforms didn't always match the lions. Um, and yet, that's exactly what we've got. And um, our lead character in the old show was Keith, um, mm-hmm. who is a devil-may-care impulsive second banana in this one. Our lead character is the Shiro character, and he is just fascinating. He has his moments where he lets the mask slip and he becomes a kid, but um, but for the most part... He is he is serious and um, a, a an inspirer, and his personality and the pers- personality of all of the characters is so well delineated 
that they even sort of match him up with the lions to a certain extent. It's but well, it didn't. It wasn't telegraphed that yeah. he was going to be the black lion. Like right. I didn't see that. Right. I I I, I, I was it, yeah. I really didn't see it either. And then I was like, oh, okay. This totally. In retrospect, it sort of made sense. But but it was it was a nice surprise. The thing for me that and you know since we're all spoilers, going fast forwarding straight to the end of the first season. That, that I think is kind of fascinating is th- this single line from Zarkon that we get that made me go, <laughs> what? Uh, where he says he says that he was the original paladin of the right. Black Lion. Right. And that's mm-hmm. that's how he broke the connection between Shiro and, and the Black Lion. And we get a bit from from uh, from Hager that um, that, uh, you know, she 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 made him this great and so on and so forth. And he could have been their greatest weapon and that sort of thing. And, and sowing those seeds for how they've screwed with his memory and mm. how he has so much potential and so much power and so much capability. Uh, but he is he is still not out of the woods when it comes to PTSD, shell shock, um, and the effects of what happened to him when he was captive. Um, it makes him a much more fascinating prisoner of war character than than you often get in animation where inside of the first unit of story, you know, whether it's season or 13 episodes or whatever, you get some sort of normalcy that that people return to. And he is still broken. He is still imperfect. He is not at the height of his powers and still seems pretty far from it, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I I like that they're letting him grow into and and not just, you know, have a magic wand of healing waved over him and he's perfectly fine. That's that's something that that to me is is great. They don't have him all the way to where he's perfectly ready to handle whatever is thrown at him. He is he is he is he doesn't have to get knocked down a peg because he's not at the top of the ladder yet. Right. Now, he is sort of a drop-in replacement for the character known in America as Sven from the original show. Um, yeah, yeah. Sven has a wonderful voice. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Uh, the original character in Beast King Goliath is, to sh- is uh, um, oh, God. Uh, Takashiro. Takashiro yeah. something or another. Yeah. Um, anyway, the, this is one of, one of the other ep- areas where uh, the production team sort of picks from the original series what they want so it's not planet doom anymore it's galra which is from the original series and uh, we've got shiro uh but in the original series um he that character was killed off in japan or really really sick and <laughs> put away for a while and uh the princess replaced him uh as pilot of the blue lion and as Vital as a character as he is in this first season, I see the potential of them writing him out and uh, sticking Keith, who was the leader character in Mm -hmm. the original series, making him step up to be uh, to be the leader. Because there's an interesting character arc potential with the Keith character. Yeah. Yeah, the, and I, it's something I like about all of the characters. They they are well-rounded enough that, you know, they we see their strengths. We see them coming together as a team. We see which talents they have. And we also see their weaknesses or the things that are haunting them or bothering them. You know, in Keith's case, he has so little impulse control. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, he, he he's so on – he – operates so much on instinct and we see that get him into trouble towards the end he <laughs> tries to attack the druid character uh, nearly gets his hand burned off as a result 
Um, he goes after Zarkon, which we learn is rather a big mistake because Zarkon apparently has had 10,000 years to play with his Bayard. <laughs> right. He, he's basically Raphael from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yes. but, but getting to toy with like being being effectively the one groomed for a leadership position right. and not and not just not just serving a side presence like i yeah. it, it's it's amazing how much prominence he gets alongside the ostensible lead character of the thing mm-hmm. yeah. which is why i like the theory that, that he might be the one who kind of takes on and and, and has a more central role in, in the next season because certainly with the way that the 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 season ended you know mm-hmm. they can go in a lot of different directions. Oh, um, yeah. I don't. I don't know how much we want to talk about that. That you know, like cliff, cliffhanger. But but Shannon, you were saying earlier, you know, that your daughters were engaged because of the cliffhangers at the end of each episode. How did they feel when you got to the end of the series and they just ended like that? And like, wait, there's no more. How, how did that go down? Oh, that was actually me. Yeah, Philip oh, has a daughter. Philip, Philip, I'm <laughs> yeah. so sorry, Philip. I'm so sorry. And I no, Christina, it's not a Christina, and I mix up all you people with kids. You're all the same. <laughs> right. You have all it's the same very, complaints. It, it's a, that's it's okay, a racism. Tony. Yeah, parentism. <laughs> um, but I will tell you that when that happened, and should we go ahead and say everybody is in their own dimension now? Yeah. Um, yeah. My girls and I were just like we we looked at each other with our mouths open, and because it was like, okay, so can we go to the next episode? Because it was just, I mean, it was it was it, it was yeah. ripping. Oh, that yeah. was the only point in the entire series that I was like disappointed or upset uh, that yeah. it's just a, that it is a complete, you know, Babylon 5 season one chrysalis kind of cliffhanger. <laughs> right. where I was going to say don't, Star Trek Voyager pilot. <laughs> yeah. If, if you don't if you if you don't get another series pickup. This is seriously right. unsatisfying. Well, well, oh, this yeah. is. I, I was. I was immediately. I was like, okay, they already got pickup, right? Right? Oh, right? Because yeah. right. you, yeah. you, you can't. Because you can't leave part. us like this. This is Netflix. This isn't I, like Models Inc. Where you know there was this cliffhanger and it was terrible, and then it aired on E, and they kind of tied up some of the loose ends, and I and I felt okay. Like this is Netflix. Like this will be forever. You know, yeah. if they didn't have a pickup. Can I you think, imagine coming discovering this in two years and being like, wait a minute, there are no more. I have to. I have to assume that that. What what Netflix does is behind the scenes, they go ahead and put in the assurances because if they want all the animation staff to be there, if they want the voice staff to be there and everybody to be held properly to produce a certain amount of stuff, they honestly could have already voice recorded five seasons of this thing and <laughs> they might have done it two years ago. And we literally only you know know that it exists just now. And even though they, they keep us on the edge of our seats going, well, you know, oh, hey, guess what? couple days after it comes out, Apple style. It's such a huge success. Guess what? We're picking it up for another season. (laughs) We're going to let you guys have another season of it because you supported it so much. The kind of false scarcity thing. I have to assume that the kind of money that they're throwing around and the model they have for this sort of thing, especially when they're not subject to ratings, uh, Mm -hmm. skepticism from people on the outside. This is something that they, they they have put together probably a Last Airbender Legend of Korra length run gone ahead and spent the money, uh, made everybody sign NDAs in blood and, <laughs> and lock them in. Um, because I, they, they have such a big overall deal with DreamWorks animation that it would be, it would be wasteful for them to spend the amount of, uh, you know, getting a show off of its feet and started money to just abandon it after even two seasons, especially when they don't have that kind of vigilance over them of people saying, oh, well, let's go to 2.1 with a seven share and blah, 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 right. blah, mm-hmm. all that kind of bullshit. Um, I can say that on TV, right? 
You know, <laughs> absolutely. You can say it on Netflix. You can say it on yeah, Netflix. I can say it on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I, I, I wanted to throw a couple things in about other, other actors. Um, maybe, uh, uh, before we get too far down the, the, uh, the wormhole, uh, through, through hyperspace. Um, did anybody else notice that, you know, some of the, some of the, uh, guest voices that popped in were like half of the cast of party of five. There's Lacey <laughs> Chabert and Scott Wolf. <laughs> All of a sudden, just out of left field. And I love that. I love like seeing that bit of whoever is, you know, because Andrea directs this, but she doesn't uh, she doesn't cast it so much anymore. I, I love I love seeing people go, um, you know, vo- voice casting directors go, you know what? What What's the cast of Party of Five doing right now? Let's well, Lisa Chabert has do done voice work for a long time. Like she was the original right. Meg on, on Family Guy. Uh, Scott Wolf was a little bit of a surprise. Um, I think he has an NBC show that only airs during the summer, but I don't know if that was canceled or not. So maybe maybe he's yeah. looking for some work. But uh, but yeah, no, it, it was funny, though, to, to kind of hear that. I was like, oh, right. Cool. cool. Well, the big the big surprise for me, though, was Norman Reedus. Uh, out of nowhere. Yes, yes, um, that was weird. Like, I, I don't know that the dude's hurting for money so much as I think maybe he was super into Voltron and they were like, hey, <laughs> we got this two episode part for you. Come play it. And you're in the new Voltron. And he and, you know, he flex <laughs> his muscles and, you know, put on his sunglasses. You go, all right, man, I'm there. Well, no, I mean, or, or, or something. I mean, I don't know, but it was it was weird because at this point I so associate him with just being like Daryl. It was it was like it was like a weird thing. I was like, wait a minute, is that is that I looked it up. I was like, oh, OK, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Yeah. The the main cast thing though that I that I wanted to bring up that having having watched that intro movie and not seen the rest of the season until it dropped all at once uh that I I couldn't have predicted is I think I know where you're going. The gender story of Pidge. Yeah. Which I thought was awesome because I my my big my big kind of issue watching watching that movie in advance was oh okay so it, it's it's still gonna be all boys against right. men, kind of a thing uh, okay all right and then watching the whole season there's pidge has this great story and we've got you know that in addition to the enhanced fleshed out role for Alora, the enhanced fleshed out role for hager that i think we've only hit the tip of the iceberg on you know she's not just a, a creepy old you know woman in a in a cloak. I think mm-hmm. we're going to get a lot more there there, mm-hmm. or they wouldn't have cast Cree Summer, right? Um, you know th- that that uh, Pidge to me that that was my everything. Uh, yeah, that, but that, that now totally in the original series, made me happy. did did they even go down that path? Nope, ever. Nope. No. Oh no, because no. I know I was always confused as a kid. I was like, is this like a baby? Is it? Like, is Pidge just really young and it doesn't matter if it's a boy or girl? Because yeah, I'm not I sure. Yeah, I don't think they explain, but uh, uh, why Pidge was so much younger than the others in the original, I don't remember that. But yeah, in the original, it was Pidge was one of the boys. Um, the, the techie, yes, but still one of the boys. And doing this for this new show was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and I got to give props to, and of course I can't remember her last name, Bex. Um, Bex that Taylor does, Klaus. Uh, thank Taylor you. Klaus, yeah. She's in, she's in the Scream TV show. She's oh, in, right. uh, she's on, she's been on she's Arrow. She's on Arrow, yeah. 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 She's in all kinds of stuff. And she did an absolutely brilliant job with, with the voice acting of, you know, you just sort of go in and you assume it's a guy. And then after the reveal, you can hear, yeah, it was mm-hmm. a girl all along, but yeah. it just works. Well, and, and I was I was actually kind of confused in in, in episode two. I, I was I was like, no, I mean, no, they wouldn't be doing that. Not not you know uh, enforcing you know uh, stereotypes or you know the the way that I that, that I think things should be cast or something. I was like, 
wait a minute, is Pidge a girl? Nah, they're probably just, somebody else died or something like that. And then in the next episode, oh, okay, all right, Pidge is a girl. Okay. <laughs> let, me, uh, drop in I, a, let me drop in a clip right here, if I may. So, what's the plan now? We have to get back to the Balmera and save Shay and her people. Wow, you are really hung up on this lady. No, it's not like that. Look, guys, when you see how Zarkon has treated these people and destroyed their home, they've been under his thumb for so long, they don't even know what it is to be free. It's up to us to set this right. This is what being a paladin of Voltron is all about. It's time to man up. Then let's get moving. Time to go defend the universe. Wait, I have something to say first. I need to come clean, and I'm afraid this may change the way you all think about me. Just so there are no secrets between us anymore, I can't man up. I'm a girl. I mean, I can man up because that's just a figure of speech. I don't have to actually be a man to man up. I just have to be tough. But what I'm saying... What? You're a girl? How? I've known for some time, but I'm glad you've shared it with everyone. Yeah, I figured. Oh, yeah, me too. Wait, we, we were supposed to think you were a boy? Pidge, owning who you are is going to make you a better paladin. <sighs> It's good to get that off my chest. Now let's launch this castle ship. Wait, what? Pidge is a girl and the castle is a ship? How long have I been out? <laughs> I, Lance you know, I, is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> Lance? Jer yeah Jer Jeremy Shada is, is getting to play a whole different dimension than people know him as from playing Finn. And that that's that scene in particular is one of the great opportunities of showing him off. But with, with where, where they choose to take Pidge from here, I... I have, I feel like they are free to, you know, play with gender fluidity, play mm -hmm. with a trans narrative, um, you know, and th that is a spectrum of narrative. There is not one particular way to go with things. And um, I trust these people in particular, the people that, that, that made uh, Korasama a thing uh, on Korra. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm like, I'm, I'm speaking hardcore Korra fandom. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I hope, uh, I hope I'm, I'm not into the weeds, but I, I think there's an amazing storytelling opportunity here um, for them to not have to duck out of or roll out of. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I feel like that story is in good hands, however they end up handling it. I also was really impressed that they just, whatever direction they end up going in, whether it's gender fluidity or, or, or a trans storyline or whatever, I just thought that the way that they handled it was really good. And, and I, I liked that they, that they went there and that, frankly, I mean, I think this is probably, this is a testament to both the creators of the show, but to Netflix as well for being willing to do that because um, as more progressive as things are getting, especially in the Western world, that's not the case in in, in the rest of of the world. I'd be interested to see how they translate it and and, and how you know it plays in other parts, um, in, in, in other markets, in other regions. But but, it, but it, I was really pleased to see that storyline, and I really liked what they did with Pidge. Yeah, I, I like the fact that Pidge does not change after the reveal. Exactly. No, not 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 a bit. The sequence when Pidge. Or Katie, um, although I think Katie prefers the name Pidge now, when it's her against uh, against Sindak uh, trying to reclaim the um, the castle, it's action. It's pure action. Mm -hmm. it, she she is not any more girly. Uh, she is exactly the same person, which speaks volumes. Yeah, which I think is so important. Yeah. Also, to your point, Christina, about Netflix, uh, Shannon and I are big fans of Sense8 uh, with a uh, uh, pro prominent role for uh, trans actress uh, Jamie Clayton. So mm -hmm. um, 
uh, yeah, I think I, I think you're onto something with uh, with Netflix's uh, progressive attitude there, perhaps. Yeah, because I just, I just know from conversations I've had with people who who work on shows for for other networks that even though the, the shows themselves and and even some of the networks might sometimes be, want to be more progressive about things, because of the realities of having to sell a show in different markets in different regions, that can impact storyline and that can impact what they can do with with you know telling these more um, important things, especially when it comes to, to gender or sexuality, which obviously are different, but but you know are, are related in the context that I'm saying right now, um, and and so I. I uh, I was impressed that they did that and and that it it was handled so well. I think the big thing, like you said, is that the character didn't change. It, it was mm-hmm. Pidge, Pidge remained the same, and and that I think is such a good example to, to set, especially when you have kids watching the show. I know my girls were super excited all of a sudden when they saw that happen. I mean, they really were. It was just like I kind of knew something was going to happen, but I really again this show is kind of. Uh, treaded on what my expectations were and flipped the notion of what I know. So it was, it was, it was a good surprise to have with them. Mm-hmm. Any other uh, characters that we want to make uh, particular shout outs to? We haven't talked about Hunk a whole lot. And uh, when my 14 year old sort of watching uh, me watch Voltron and he's being all skeptical as a 14 year old is, he's like, <laughs> he's like, there's a character named Hunk. <laughs> I didn't get into the fact that there used to be a TV character called He-Man, but um... <laughs> and She-Ra. Yeah. yeah, what what I like, I, I think, as they all the characters have an arc to them, um, and Hunk, I think, has one of the biggest ones because uh, the first glimpse we get of him, he's supposedly the engineer, and yet he can't handle the motion sickness of the simulator, right? Um, and he he's always trying to convince Lance not to do the thing. Um, or Lance and Pidge as they as they keep doing the thing, and Hunk is the one who doesn't want to do the thing. So it takes him a little while to figure out until he gets to his side adventure where he and Coran are going after the crystal, and Hunk sees up close uh, the effects of the Galra Empire on this one planet that it's enslaved Ooh, the entire population. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's when it hits him, and he is immediately like, I'm going to turn every bit of my willpower into fixing this. Mm-hmm. So he's doesn't he's not just a fixer of mechanics, he's going to be a fixer of this situation. Um and he zeroes in on it like a bullet. Uh and I love that seeing, you know, yes he's still not completely happy with the, with physical danger. He's not completely into that side of things, but he's it's, he's not going to let it stop him. And, I, and a character is not a sociopath and actually teaches people to have empathy for other people. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> amazing that. Well, I think the amount of heart that the character has was just what I was really struck with, you know, mm-hmm. because it would be easy to kind of go in a thing of, of, of kind of the juxtaposition of being kind of this, this big character and, and, and being, you know, motion sickness, you know, like that's one thing. And where's the, the food? The, yeah. And where's the food? To, to go to those places, you know, and, 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 it, and making it a gentle giant sort of sort of trope. But I liked the fact that he did become so concerned about those, you know, who were enslaved and he wanted, you know, to do everything he could, that, that he cared so much and, and taking it in that direction where he isn't just kind of this you know big kind of you know character who you know just wants to to eat and 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 maybe could be you know seen as as oafish or or not as intelligent but he really really zoned in on why this is important and and was willing to put his own things like you said you know maybe not okay with 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 danger all the time but is willing to put up with it if if it means you know saving people Mm -hmm. yeah that they each have their own strengths and weaknesses um the, the one we haven't really touched on is lance um who 
you know, is the one who thinks he's got it all. He he overestimates his own capabilities on a regular basis, um, whether it's being a pilot, whether it's with the ladies, whatever. Um, and yet he's the first one to make the connection to his lion. Um, he's the one who comes through several times um, helping or rescuing the others. Uh, and it just, you know... It, each of the characters has growth. Each of the characters moves farther along towards, and again, as we said, there's more to come. There is so much more potential to these characters. Um, we haven't seen the end of uh, what they can do. Yeah. What did you guys think of the Lance and Keith dynamic? <laughs> I hope they end up making out. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. I, I was like, I ship two, them. We had a moment. We were, I, I, we were bonded. I cradled you in my arms. Nope, didn't remember yeah. it. Yeah, I want those two pretty boys to kiss. I'm, just, you know, just because I think it would serve the story. Not, that's really it. That's simple. <laughs> I don't need to see them kiss, but I love the way they scrap at each other. I yeah. love it. There. I'm just saying. I mean, everybody, everybody ships Captain America and Bucky so hard. I, don't, I, hear, I, don't, I, I see I a very similar dynamic. <laughs> um, Are they both arms? Yeah, they're both arms, <laughs> they're, aren't they? <laughs> no, no one, one's a arm. leg, one's an arm. So, oh, you know, yeah. I almost had it. You know, uh, but the, the, the touching back on kind of the discovery of additional weapons and everything. So we we formed a shield, we formed a sword, we formed a shoulder cannon. Uh, the the blue lion hasn't turned his key, as it were, and you know magically created another weapon for the big Voltron. Uh, the black lion hasn't uh, turned his magic key, and you know uh, doesn't have one. He doesn't, yeah, doesn't have, have one, it yet. I guess. I, that, um, and as an aside, uh, that was one thing that I noticed uh, just today when I was uh, rewatching the uh, theme sequence. We see the pilot of the Black Lion stick a black Bayard into the in the key slot or whatever in the uh, in the opening theme to every episode, and but we can't tell who's piloting it. Yeah, I'm thinking that that's I'm thinking that that's that's not that's not Shiro. That's Zarkon. I'm just saying. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Whoa. I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 kind of the the thing that the thing that I find the most interesting is in the original show very early on everybody uh you know uh, the they they formed the blazing sword and they had the ultimate weapon and all that kind of thing and I I like how we don't we don't even have the full capabilities of the lions uh, mm-hmm. figured out, puzzled out as we get to the end of the first season. I, I like that yeah. that is an overall story that's being told. Voltron himself is not uh, Voltron itself. Voltron says self, whatever um, <laughs> has not been, has not been revealed to, to be at the peak of its potential. And that's something that Zarkon mm-hmm. harps on particularly hard in the finale uh, without it being didactic and beating me over the head. It, it yeah. it's, it's this rare cartoon that yes, it is definitely catered toward kids. Um, but adults like us who are nostalgic for the property can enjoy it. And it doesn't talk down to us. It doesn't talk down to them. It's not talking down to anybody. If anything, it is it is it is punching sideways and punching down at other productions that don't that right. don't put this kind of thought mm-hmm. and consideration into things. And I, you know, something that Christina was touching on earlier. I think the relative freedom that Netflix has makes it so that they are able to get out from under some of the kind of gender stereotypes and mm-hmm. role stereotypes and archetypes that that otherwise animation producers are really just kind of stuck with based on the the strictures of network TV. Unless you're making for Adult Swim. Mm. We haven't talked a lot about uh, Princess Allura uh, to this point. I think she's the last major character that uh, we've left untouched. What do you all think of her? I, oh. 
like I said before, I love how they portray her right out of the box as, you know, she is no wilting flower. She Mm -hmm. is a leader. She um, takes charge. She looks for solutions. Um, She is not afraid to ask for help uh, most of the time when she realizes that she needs it. But, you know, we also have with her, you know, there is a brokenness to her, too, in the fact that, you know, she lost her entire family. She's lost mm-hmm. her entire planet except for Koran. Um, yep. We she get to, to see purge, this. She has to purge her dad from her, the The system. AI has to go away. Yeah, she has to, has to sever that last connection. I hope that they will explore some of that, you know, in a continuing season uh, when they have the chance. Uh, the fact that that she is... Essentially, yeah, leading, you know, and leading a planet of two, um, these five paladins that, you know, are not part of her species, not part of her race. Uh, And I want to see more. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Shannon. I, I really think that they can go in a lot of directions in, in, in the next season about her and, and kind of her backstory and how she's dealing with things. Because like you said, I mean, it's just her and Koran and, and that's... Uh, you know, that, that that becomes, you know, okay, so you're a princess, you're whatever you're a princess of, you know, I mean, it mm-hmm. puts a lot of, um, I think, pressure on, on her character. But I like what they've done with it, especially compared to the original series, where it wasn't a, a very well-defined character. And, and, in, and in this series, you know, um, it is defined, and, and she is multifaceted, and that's great to see. My daughter did ask where what her line was. She was asking, does she get a lion? And that was what I was just about to say. I'm not sure this Alora has to have one. That's, you know, one of another mm. great thing about this. I mean, I yeah. think, yes, eventually she's going to wind up in the pilot seat in one of the lions at some point for some reason. I don't think that the I don't think that the producers will withstand nostalgia to that degree. But how they do it, whether they do it, they can go in any direction they want. Yeah, I, I think she has to she has to end up in one of the lions. And, you know, there, there was some speculation earlier. But if if anything, I think for me, she's the leading contender to replace Shiro in the black lion if he if he gets knocked out. Ooh, good point. Mm-hmm. And, that is a good point. And, yeah, and I, dig, so- I dig that. I dig I dig the I dig the woman of color leading the lion squad instead mm-hmm. of, you know, being a leg. Yeah, and that's true um, because they've made such a point about the lions fitting different personalities. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very difficult to like pluck Keith out of the red lion that so perfectly matches him and drop him into the black lion instead. Right. And, well, Laura already has the leadership qualities Ooh. that the lion, the black lion, is supposedly in tune with. Are you saying that I was hopelessly mired in nostalgia, wanting to make it conform to the original series? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. You've you've <laughs> read my mind using the special Go Lion Mind Force. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I guess uh, to wrap up, uh, where do you all think that this series can go from here? Uh, we've pretty much said anywhere, but uh, based on what you've seen and based on that cliffhanger, uh, what do you think's coming? I'm of two minds. On the one hand, I think that they might want to kind of get them all back together as soon as possible and and, and, and kind of wrap things up. Um, but on the other hand, I think it might be interesting to see how they all kind of um, survive when they're in these different dimensions and 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 what that's like for them and how they come back changed maybe because that could be an alternative too. I mean, obviously, you know, if, if they do kind of do an out to the original series and, and Shiro is, is gone for a bit and you know, who takes its place? I think that Shannon's theory um, and, and Moises's too, I think of, of, of what could happen um, with princess Alora, I think that that has potential, but I think at this point, I mean, we could see their entire personality shift. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think that they have a lot of room um, 
going forward. On that same note, I like that right there in the finale of the first season, we see somebody under Zarkon's command uh, break ranks. You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. have this empire with a full iron grip on everybody underneath him. Um, you know, someone specifically undermining him. And and I, I like I like seeing that kind of, you know, I guess you would say rebel alliance uh, <laughs> empire um, kind of dynamic where where everybody is not just falling in line and not just following orders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people people have their own agency, even as few lines as they might have. And they're they're forging ahead in the direction that they want to go. Uh, and and I, I like that they are playing with those kinds of dynamics. They're very very conscious of not just the expectations of people who watched the original show, but people who have been watching a lot of the same uh, sort of, you know, genre material and what people are tired of seeing. And I like that every, every time that I, I feel, I feel myself going, Oh, they're going to turn right. Aren't they? And maybe they turn right, but they, they bank in a direction that I don't exactly expect. Um, There, there is something different to each choice that they make, not just for the sake of making a different choice, but, for keeping me engaged, keeping me interested and, and making it not something that I've seen in this exact iteration before. And that's, that's something that is exceptionally rare in especially family friendly, uh, animated content. Yeah, I agree that, um, they have so much, so much potential to go in any direction, uh, in the next section of the story. Um, I kind of, like Christina, I kind of hope that they don't get everybody back together right away. Um, there's, there are mysteries to be explored. I mean, there's this quintessence thing. What if one of them gets flung to one of the planets that's been drained and gets another piece of that puzzle so they can start figuring out just how it is that Zarkon's managed to live for 10,000 years? And like you said, it gives the characters even more potential if they have to struggle alone after having managed to make this team. Suddenly, they're all separated on their own, um, even worse than before, because when we started this, at least Lance and Hunk and Pidge were something of a team. Um, they don't even have that support at this point. Um, I love the fact that um, we've got more depth to the Galra, as Moises was saying, um, that there are different factions under Zarkon fighting different ways. They, they have different ways they want to do this, um, and they are willing to sidle around his orders when they can. I, and I think another reason for keeping the lions separate for a while is that they'll have the potential to, to, to discover more of what these lions can do because they have to. Yes. They yes. have to. Yes, absolutely. So um, I, I mean, I'd love to see that and like them scattered across the galaxy and getting kind of like what Moises was saying was like getting new rebels, people that will mm-hmm. fight with them against Zarkon. Can yeah. can I be really provocative and and say the, the like the 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 thing that I I don't know like Chip you might you might writhe with convulsions it's going to make you so excited <laughs> I think I know where you're going sir and I'm I want a second writhing. robot I want a second robot <laughs> yeah. I want vehicle Voltron to be what yeah. they draw oh. together separately and then we've got two giant robots Well I mean I, and I've got I've got this story in my head uh, about how that could be done within the context of this series, but I kind of want to keep it to myself because I kind of want to write it as a spec script. But <laughs> I, don't know. I think that I well, think wait a got- now time time works differently where they're at now. So what if one of them gets spun back to Earth and yeah. they have built vehicle Ooh. Ultron? <laughs> one of the things that I like so much about this. Um, Voltron um, that uh, they doubled down on on this remake is that it's it's space fantasy. 
Um, yeah. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not just hardcore science fiction uh, or an attempt at such like the Vehicle Voltron series. God, was. all the swords make me so happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, you know, not only, not only are the uh, robot lions sentient, but the, um, the magic of the, the druids and Hagar is just really expanded on things like that. Um, so the bringing, bringing the Vehicle Voltron in would be kind of different because it would be kind of less fantastic and i think there's some interesting potential for uh a little compare and contrast there but to be to be perfectly honest this is the real voltron nobody really remembers the vehicle team nobody really nobody really likes them except me it is a, <laughs> a, a, a this is a heavy hey, cross dude, this there, is a heavy cross that i bear there is still there is still a complete vehicle Voltron uh, set in my parents' storage unit in uh, in Dallas, uh, so <laughs> you are not so alone. And and for me, even if the vehicle Voltron is introduced to be a sacrificial uh, robot shaped lamb, uh, I'm, I'd be totally fine with that. You know, nope, as, nope, 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 no, 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 no. I'm saying with the time dilation, with the time dilation. <laughs> hey, they've been gone for so long. Earth has built this right. thing. And, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm, look, I mean, the branding is with the lions, man. I'm, I'm sorry to break it to you these, these decades later, but, but the lions won. I'm sorry. No conehead robots. I hate you all. I hate you all. Uh, most, what do you think? What do you think's coming down the pike? I, well, I mean, really honestly, I think that's not an, an unreal, un, un, uh, the expectation of the second robot is is very much something that I think we all kind of would could get around at the end of season two, but I think really there's going to be this separation. And what have we learned about ourselves so far as being part of Ultron? And what this idea of and it seems like Hunk gets behind this the the idea of being a paladin mm-hmm. and mm. what that means because I you know again I'm going back and forth between the show that I know now and the one that I kind of knew. And that was never even an idea. Like they were part of something. Yeah, they were galaxy defenders, but it was always the same thing. I mean, essentially Mm -hmm. it was the cookie cutter. Um, But now you are actually in different parts of the galaxy and you could like, you know, be a, uh, like a, an icon, a hero, each of these lines themselves for these areas and, kind of bring bring about the big war to mm-hmm. finally defeat Zarkon. Yeah, that's one of the most, uh, yet again, another smart decision not to just stay on the one planet, but to take the, guess what? The castle is actually a ship. We're going to go places. That mm-hmm. that was brilliant. Yeah. Was that a part of the old series? It was. Not, it was. Oh, uh, was it? Yep. The Castle of Lions uh, became a flying fortress in the last uh, few uh, episodes. Okay, because all I remembered was them pretty much being in the same like couple of yeah, planets, like too. the same solar system. Yeah, but yeah. So a couple of things have ha- what what have we learned here? Well, we, I think we've learned a couple of things. One is that uh, you can make a really good uh, animated series for Netflix that is not in any way targeted at those of us on this podcast, but that we yes. can still love the hell out of uh, right. because mm-hmm. because. Um, uh, you don't have to you you don't have to do dumb shows for kids. You can do smart shows for kids, and that's very much what this is. 
Um, and the other thing that we've learned is that we've got a Voltron series that depends very little on the big robot at the end. And I think yeah. that is the I think that is the greatest strength for this show. Any other final thoughts about Voltron Legendary Defender? When's the next season? Right. <laughs> Moises, Christina, last words for y'all? Yeah, I, I'm with Shannon. When, 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 when can we watch more? Because I, I was really coming into it. I was hopeful, but I was pretty skeptical, like I've said. And, and I wound up watching it, especially after now spending an hour talking about it with you guys. Um, I've been like, yeah, I want to see more of this because I really, really think that they uh, they did something that's rare and, um, and, and uh, very commendable, which is they were able to revive an old property, keep it, you know, nostalgic for people who want that, but frankly, make it better. Mm-hmm. I um I can only think that when you know all of those Bayards get turned that that's when we will get the blazing sword and we'll get we'll get the fan service line, and <laughs> I'm totally fine if we don't even get that in season two and it takes until season three. Yep, it's a great show. Um, if you haven't seen it and you just plowed through the spoiler section anyway, uh, go go see it and um and um, uh, I still like Vehicle Voltron. <laughs> you can do that. That's a thing you can do. All right. Well, this is this has been a great conversation about a great show, and I concur with everybody. I want another series of it. Christina, thank you so much. Glad to be here. Shannon, thank you. <laughs> thank, glad to be here. Mose, I'll form the head. Moises, <laughs> last words yours. I uh, I don't know how this thing works. I don't know how this thing works. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been TV. On the Incomparable Network, my name's Chip Sutterth. Thanks for listening. I told you I could get them to do it. <laughs> they just needed a common enemy. <laughs> it's true. Like the old proverb says, a man can be driven to do anything if a beautiful woman is just really, really mean to him. <laughs> that kind of defines my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's awesome.